Storehouse Dallas. We're uh, covering the book of Hebrews. My favorite book, which is um, a very interesting book because um, nobody knows who wrote it. Um, I believe it was a woman, but I'll just leave that there because <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, anyway, I believe um, the book of Hebrews is the clearest instructions on how to live in the kingdom of God. If you brought your Bible, which I hope you did, and if you didn't, I, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to look at this book. Wars have been fought over this book. Saints, hundreds of thousands of saints have died for this book so that we could have this book. This book is so precious. These words are so wonderful and life-giving. So I want to encourage you. I know you can look up the word on your smartphones, but there's something about carrying your book, your the Bible to church, and then and then perusing through the pages and just hearing the pages turn. You just feel a connection with the ancient of days. Come on. Right? Thank goodness for Gutenberg. The Gutenberg Press. You know, the German. It takes the Germans to invent how to use paper the right way. <laughs> anyway, uh, so turn in your Bibles to Hebrews. Whoo, feeling the Holy Spirit. Man, that worship was amazing. I thought I was getting lift off there. Hickman's eye was started coming off the ground. It was beautiful. All right, so last week we covered chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3. This week we're going to be on chapter 4. But chapter 3 and chapter 4 are actually very similar. And the entire, uh, the overarching theme over the entire book of Hebrews is basically how to continue in the word from the start and continue all the way to, to until the finish work until we come to God is very set and intent on getting us. Remember he said, I'm going to finish what I started. I'm faithful to finish what I started in you. And so the whole concept behind the book of Hebrews is taking you from the inception of your salvation and getting you through all the way to the end that your promised land. And so he is more invested in this process than you are. And he is more faithful in this than you are. And so he knows how to do it, and he knows the fastest way to do it. Amen? And being an ex-businesswoman, um, I, I like the idea of get me there as soon as possible with the least resistance. You know, I used to be in sales. Everybody who's in business, I believe, is in sales. You're selling something, you know, whether it's service or, or a product or whatever. And so I like the idea of how can I, with the least amount of effort, get the, mo the greatest return, right? And that's the book of Hebrews for me. Amen? So Hebrews is like a kingdom sandwich. I said this last week. So on one side of the kingdom sandwich, you've got rest. On the other side, you have faith. And right in the middle, he's going to tell you about your priesthood, your identity, how you're supposed to operate in the kingdom. So as a review on chapter three, uh, I, I really talked about five truths. The first truth, 
trying to convey is that we are the house that Jesus built. The second truth that they're trying to convey is that there is a journey in our life in Christ that has a start and a finish. The third truth is that you must remain in his rest because it is the only way to complete the journey. What? See, again, I'm type A, businesswoman. And so for me, the idea of entering into his rest or resting period isn't even in my vernacular. You know, I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm German. My dad's German. If anybody around my house was sitting around, I, he would go around and give me a broom or a shovel or some t- sort of whatever so I could get back to work. Right? How many of you are in German? How many of you had German dads? Come on. All right. You get me, right? All right. The fourth truth is this. God said, beware, I swore in my wrath, okay? He's like, beware, I swore in my wrath. You will not enter my rest if you don't do what I tell you to do. So he's saying, beware. I mean, when God says beware and beware, I swore in my wrath, you're like, hmm, Okay, so I should probably take this pretty seriously because when God says, I swear, I'm swearing, the only thing that I can swear in is in my own name because I'm the highest authority in all of creation. So I'm going to swear by my own name. So you, you know when you see that, he's kind of serious. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, chapter 3, that he was angry that they didn't do what he told them to do, that they didn't trust him and enter into his rest. The fifth truth was that unbelief and disobedience kept them as wilderness wanderers. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read chapter four. For those of you that have your Bibles, follow along. For those of you that have your smartphones, follow along, and let's all be students of the word. Amen? Uh, Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, oh, this is the New King James Version. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who have heard it. Who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent 
to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the hearts and the the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So stop, uh, stop there. And that's real. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to uh, follow through. We'll pick up um, on verse 14 next week. Um, but I want to talk to you about Moses and Joshua because chapter 3 talks about Moses and it talks about how Moses was successful in getting Egypt, getting the children of Israel out of Egypt. But he was not successful at getting them into the promised land. So he was successful at getting them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get them all the way into the promised land. Now, I want you to put yourself in this position because what God is saying is that I'm invested in not only getting you saved and out of Egypt and out of the things of the world, but I am invested in getting you all the way to the things that I've promised for your life. And so, so why? For two reasons. Because he wants you to experience the fullness of, of joy in his kingdom. The second reason is when you lay hold of your promise, I will guarantee you, you are going to make this earth a footstool for King Jesus and you will prepare the way for his return. Because in your promise, heaven is coming to earth. And as heaven comes to earth, the things of the earth and the darkness and the enemy will grow dim and your light will grow brighter. So Moses, as he was taking them out of England, out of Egypt, he did this successfully out of England. Sorry, sorry. That was obviously, (laughs) I love you, Richard, but we did come out of England (laughs) to the promised land of America. All right. uh, So Moses, All right, everybody, focus. (laughs) Chapter 3, Moses is taking them out of Egypt successfully. But what's interesting is that out of 2 million people, only 2 went into the promised land. I mean, think about that. Isn't that incredible? Joshua got them into the promised land, but verse 8 says, I mean, yeah, Joshua got them into the promised land, but verse 8 says this in chapter 4, that Joshua had given them rest. Then the Holy Spirit through King David said, there actually remains a rest for the people of God. And so we can be very encouraged about that because in the New Testament, not just with David, but in the New Testament, he's saying, listen, there's a today for all of us. There remains a today for every believer and it remains today every day. And it also goes on, And it says this, that God rested on the seventh day after creating for seven days. And so we have to ask ourselves, was God like six days after the sixth day to go, whew, 
I am so tired. I've got to take a rest. I'll be right back. I'm just going to go lay in my head, my big, gigantic, enormous head on a pillow, right? No, he rested because it was done. He rested because he said, it is finished. I've done everything that I was supposed to do. Now, what did he do? He created a productivity. Now, listen to me. God rested after he created a system of the kingdom, a system of productivity. He created a system that Adam functioned in, in order to take dominion in the earth. Adam was not sweating by his brow, and Adam was not stressed out taking dominion of the earth. Adam was whistling and singing songs, probably like deep in the heart of Texas. I don't know. Because it was, you know, the Garden of Eden. <laughs> he rested because that he had made a place for Adam to fully take dominion because Adam was his son. And it says in chapter 2 that Jesus chapter 2 of um, Hebrews, that Jesus was the son that led many sons to glory. So he glorified, God glorified him and Jesus, and uh, glorified Jesus, and we are glorified because of what Jesus did. And when Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He said, it is finished, therefore you have access to the kingdom again, and you guys can live in the seventh day reality. Which means now we can enter into our rest. What happened when the blood of Jesus was spilled on the cross? Every curse that happened in the garden came down. There were two curses. One over labor and the other over women. Both of those came down when Jesus died on the cross. And so both were restored to their place and their relationships in the garden. And no more was man supposed to labor under the sweat of his brow. How many of you are manifesting? Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You see, the system of the world will not bring you rest because it relies on trying. But the system of the kingdom relies on trusting. If it's going to be, it's up to me. How many of you have ever tried not to sin? <laughs> That's a nasty battle, isn't it? But when I give up that battle and I go, you know what? Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust your word. I'm just going to trust what you have said. And I'm going to relax and stop being all bound up all the time. Amen? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. See, the leadership of Moses and Joshua was actually good. In fact, he goes in and he says Moses was a faithful leader. And he was successful to a degree. Joshua was a, a, a faithful leader. And he was successful getting them into Canaan. 
But the thing is, is that as good of a leader as Moses was, these people were so honorary. He actually said that they had hearts that were hard. They didn't go in because of a lack of leadership. They didn't go in because of the condition of their hearts. And so the Lord was like, I performed miracle after miracle after miracle to show you my nature and to show you my goodness, to show you my love, to show you how providential I am. I split the sea. I I split the sea. I caused bread to fall from the sky. I caused dove to come and, and to feed you. I commanded winged meat to fall at your feet. Think about that. That's like two tons of meat. I don't know about you, but I've got a hunter for a husband. That never happens to him. You should, we should pray for that. <laughs> but they couldn't enter in because of their hearts. Um, Numbers 4, 14, 24 says this. But because my servant Caleb, who was one of the two out of the two million that entered in, because my, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, that word different spirit actually means the breath of God with understanding, and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So he said, listen, there's a couple of things about this guy. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that gives understanding to us, and it is through a wholeheartedness. He had a heart of flesh. He didn't have a heart of stone. He had a heart of flesh. And so the Lord is saying again in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verse 15, today if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion, because I've got something for you. And what's interesting to me is that I walk along this path that God has for me. And it starts off, and I'm like, yes. I've got a yes in my heart. And then he presents to me opportunities to grow. Sometimes it comes through discipline. And sometimes it comes through, it has to come through a deeper level of faith. And he's saying, listen, I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm treading water, I'm treading water. And I'm like, this is awesome. Do you see how well I'm treading water? And then God comes in with his big old mammoth God hand and he takes and he throws me into the deep end again. And he's like, tread water. And I'm like, wow, I thought I, that was yesterday, obviously, but today I have a new battle and I have to have faith for today because today what you're saying is not the same as yesterday. And even though I've had victories in the past, he's still saying there's a today for me. And so he's like looking for a trajectory of us growing in our hearts and our hearts remaining pliable and not not accusing God when it gets hard. Today, we still have the opportunity to enter into his rest. You see, there are two groups of Christians, those who live in a promised land of rest and have discovered their identities as sons. 
Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so you can tell those that are in God's rest because they have these characteristics in their life. And it's not based on, it's not situational, but it is a reservoir of these things. No matter what hits them, they remain in the rest of the Lord because they're trusting God for the outcome. Even when we don't understand We know that God is for us. We know that he is good. And sometimes, guys, you just have to get ugly with it. And you have to sit there and say, okay, I don't understand what you're doing. All I know is that my heart is breaking and that I'm hurting. But I trust you. And I know that this dark night is going to end. And I know that you're going to take what the enemy meant for evil. And I know that you're going to turn it for good if I stay in the place where you have called me to stand. And the second group are those who live as wilderness wanderers and they're still orphans or servants. This is either good news or bad news for you because everyone today has a heart condition. Every single one of us. You receive his word and believe, or you heard his word and didn't believe. You see, the Jews in the wilderness saw miracle after miracle, like I said, testimony after testimony, and you've seen it too. I mean, we're a charismatic church. You can't take a step around here and somebody's foot's not getting healed or prophesied or words of knowledge, you know, and that we're all participating in it. But when it comes to believing for ourselves, all of a sudden we're like, what? We don't get it. It's like, I can believe for you, but I don't know if I can believe for me. And that's when, in verse 3, it says, listen, you have to, we have to fight for one another. Because you can tell if somebody is, is, is in a place where their hearts are starting to get hard. You can see it on their face, because their face looks like granite. They start to get a stony face. They start to get a hard heart. The words that are coming out of their mouth begin to be negative. And they're saying, I don't believe with their words. Instead of seeing everything that God can do, all they can do is see is everything that's not happening. Can I get an amen? And the thing is, is that God knows that you've lost a lot in your life. And sometimes when you've lost things over and over and over and you've gone through a pattern or a process of of not really winning, you're like, man, this is just taking it out of my heart. I don't know how to stand. I don't know how to continue to believe that the things that you've spoken to me are true. And you've lost that, 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 that hope and that, that ability to dream. You know, it's like I I forgot how to dream because I don't really know what I believe anymore. And your eyes become dim. But I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you because today is still available. David Paulson said this, hell is just living in yesterday with no opportunity for today. And so the good news is we live in heaven. We live in a place called the kingdom of heaven. And today is still available for us. So today, if we hear his voice, don't harden your heart. 
but encourage one another. How do I encourage you? How do I encourage you? That means that the things that I see in heaven for you can give you courage. It can give you courage to say, I can keep going even though the enemy tried to take me out. I can keep going even though I fell. I can get back up. Listen, God doesn't care how many times I fall. God doesn't care how many times the enemy tries to take you out because God's going to take it and he's going to turn it for good. God's going to take it and he's going to say, no, no, no. I'm going to raise up a standard. What is a standard? What is a standard? It is a flag with the family crest on it. It is a flag that says they're mine, not yours. Watch this. Watch them rise up out of the ashes. They're going to be stronger than they ever were. How dare you come to get them? But look, at a, out of that ash comes a beautiful, sweet-smelling garden. Amen? Ow! He says this, hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope until the end. He is invested to getting you into your promised land. So it's not whether you begin well, but really if you finish well is what he's saying. Christians are the same as the children of Israel. They live in a halfway house. Right? They're, they're, not, they're not over here in the land of Egypt where sin abounds and they're not over here in the promised land of the kingdom. And so they're kind of stuck in the middle where they're like wilderness wanderers. And the thing is, is that God is going to lead us either way. He'll lead you in the wilderness, but it's not as much fun. There's a lot of stress there. And see, this is a test for you. You're testing your own heart as I'm speaking, saying, wait, am I a wilderness wanderer or have I entered into the rest of the Lord? Because you know if you've entered into the rest of the Lord because you're no longer striving and you're not constantly in a place of fear and stress and exhaustion. Because when you've entered into his rest, you're in a place of trusting God, believing God, and let him take care of the outcome. Wait. It's like, my, it's like my grandchildren. They don't worry. They're not afraid because they know that if I tell them to do something, I have good for them and not evil. Even when I've assigned them all jobs at my house and it's like, here's a broom. I know you're eight, but get busy. <laughs> I'm German. <laughs> Hey, we got to train up those kids. Let me tell you, okay, this is an aside. Let me just talk to every parent in this room right now since it's Father's Day. You know, the Lord said that he gave us arrows in our quiver, and that's a good thing. So the more kids you have, the better off your family's going to be if you teach them how to work. Give those kids a broom. Anyway, where was I? So God's not going to desert us in this place. We're either going to be carnal Christians led in the wilderness or we're going to be spiritual Christians led in the land of rest. God's purpose for us is not to get us out of Egypt as much as it is to get Egypt out of us. It's, he's invested, not so much. He said, I don't want to take you out of the world. I want to take the world out of you. Which is why in Luke 4.18, he said, oh, look, 
Jesus has a broom, and he's going to go in, and he's going to clean house, and he's going to get all those demons out, and he's going to clean up that broken heart. Why? So you can get to your promised land. Man, that's good news, isn't it? So the question is, how do we do this? How do we do this? And he says in, in um, verse 12 that it's the word of God which is living and active, and it produces life. It divides soul and spirit. That word means earth life and spirit life. So he takes this sword, and he just slices it. The word of God judges the condition of your heart. The word of God will tell you the condition. God, God already knows. He is the word, and he knows the condition of your heart. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what's going on. And it says that he will divide the spiritual man from the earthly man. So the word of God is really what he's looking to get out of us. Not the word of complaining, not the word of grumbling, not the word of Captain Obvious. You know, let me just tell you everything that I see, right? That's what the 10 spies that didn't go in said. Let me just tell you everything I see. Aren't I wise? I'm so wise in the things that I can tell you that I see. But the two that went in had a different spirit. They didn't see what they saw. They saw what, the, what God said. They saw what God said. They didn't see what was in the natural and say, I can't do this. They saw what God said and said, hey, we can do this. And I'll guarantee you, this is what's happening in the body of Christ right now. He is saying, I'm after champions. And you may have slayed, the, 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 like David, the bear and the lion, but you're about to have to slay a, a giant. And so it's going to be hard for you to say yes to me in this next season, but I'm looking for giants in the faith. And all of you know what I'm talking about because all of you have been having this conversation with the Lord. I can't be the only one. This word is a rhema word. It's an active word. And it means that his voice today, when mixed with faith, it, faith, it looses you from that hard heart. So over the next couple of Sundays, we're going to teach you how to live in his rest and live in your promises. So here's what I want to do. I want us to stand and I want to pray over us, especially those. And this is a real struggle, especially for those in the marketplace, because you're slammed every day with how to perform. And performance is something that they speak over you. I got to get the most out of you that I can. And I love my dear friend, Gary Cooper, who was a father in the Lord to us. And he said, you know, I never do anything unless I ask the Lord. People come to me and they ask me questions. Hey, I need this right now. I'll get back with you on that. And then he would pray and he would seek the Lord even in the small things. And he said that his success rate was much higher doing life that way than it was doing life the other way. So I have some questions for you. Are you ready to leave the place of wandering in the wilderness? Have you come to the end of yourself and are you ready to trust God even when it's hard? Are you ready to trust God even when he does things that look like you might die fighting a giant? And that usually has to do with money. 
Are you ready to give up your way and do it his way? Is today your today to follow the voice of God who created you and loves you and wants you to enter into his rest? Oh, come on, guys. Give me a little enthusiasm here. This is... All right, so I want you to repeat after me. Father, I repent for rejecting your ways, for my disobedience, unbelief, and hard heart. I want to leave a life of stress and enter into your rest. Open my eyes and ears to hear. I want to hear your voice and will follow your leadership in all areas of my life. Amen. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.